0: rainmakers rock stars gorillas and guru webmasterradio.fm come visit our magical webmaster wonderland we got a mouse too webmasterradio.fm we're everywhere cover story cover a story or attain that coveted story Get it? That is exactly what you want. Quoted as the expert, the story, headline, the spin. Every week, join us to talk about all things important to relating to the public. Your public. Craft your image. Promote your products. Create expert status. Become the buzz. Join us with the pros. PR 101. Crisis management. Media blitzing. It's all here on Cover Stories. We're reserving a headline for you.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. This is Brandi Shapiro-Babin. And as promised, we are continuing our coverage of the Silver Anvil finalist for the Public Relations Society of America. And I'm very excited to have with us today as our featured guest, Christine Barney, APR, CEO of RBB Public Relations, located just a little south of us in Miami. Um, she's the CEO of the company, and it's a full-service public relations firm, as I mentioned, based in Miami. Um, and you guys were named 2005 Boutique Agency of the Year by PR Week. Um, my goodness, and her clients include m um, and M&M Mars, Starbucks, Levitt Corporation, FP&L, which I'm a little schizophrenic about right now, <laughs> the Florida Marlins, Blue Cross and Blue Shield. And I think what's very, very cool, outside the fact that you are um, on course to win one of those coveted awards in the public relations uh, community, you are also... Um, like one of the top 35 finalists vying for the title of Wall Street Journal Top Small Workplace as well as um you were in the Homes Report for annual nationwide best places to work. Ah, welcome Christine Barney.
2: Well, thank you very much, Brandy.
1: How are you today?
2: Very good. Very good. We're we're excited to be talking about this program because it it we really felt it was one of the uh, most uh, uh, exciting programs we were putting together for clients in recent years because we did not only good PR for the client, but we're able to do something good for a lot of people who really needed help.
1: Good. Good for you. And that, I think, is so tremendous. And there are so many key elements to this which made this campaign super, um, super powerful and obviously put you guys on course, like I said, to to win the Silver Anvils this year. Let me read you guys um, the background for the campaign, and then we can really talk about the intricacies of this. Um, Hurricanes is, is the Track Phone Katrina Lifeline Program brings awareness to the FCC program. So, Hurricane Katrina... Could Katrina caused unimaginable loss of lives, homes, jobs, friends and belongings unfortunately as we all know. On top of those immediate losses, no one anticipated how hard it would be to communicate with hundreds of thousands of evacuees as they dispersed across 30 states. Something as simple as as a lack of telephone could mean the difference in getting help from FEMA, employers or finding a family member. At the end of 2005, the Federal Communications Commission FCC enacted the Hurricane Katrina Universal Service Assistance Program allowing people displaced by the hurricane to qualify for 300 minutes free wireless service and a handset if they applied before February 28, 2006. But like any Catch-22, how could people without homes and phones call the toll-free number or even learn about the program? FEMA couldn't devout, devote resources to the program and would not share victim lists uh, with phone providers because of privacy reasons. Track Phone Wireless, America's largest prepaid wireless service provider, um, an RBB, Um, public relations jumped to answer the challenge. TrackPhone's primary audience matched the profile of most of the Katrina victims, and it was a perfect chance to give back. Working at an unheard speed with a combination of in-market guerrilla tactics and media relations, RBB delivered 30,000-plus phones to people in desperate need. Additionally, TrackPhone's Hurricane Katrina Lifeline program resulted in 60% market share of the FCC program and a decision by the FCC to extend the offer for an additional three months congratulations.
2: Thank you. Well, that was a mouthful. I know. (laughs) I
1: I started feeling like I was reading a bedtime story. Uh,
2: Well, you know, it reads different than it sounds when you have to say it out loud, right?
1: (laughs) No, but I think it's important to lay the groundwork and also to um, to mention that you were brought in after TrackPhone. TrackPhone is a brand new client to you or was a brand new client to you. So you, you hadn't had that getting to know you period with them and they'd already decided they were going to do this.
2: Right. They had started by offering a toll-free number, and after about the first uh, month of the toll-free number, saw that they really weren't getting anyone going all the way through the process to getting a handset. So they contacted us, uh, I think it was around like the second week of November, and within two weeks, we put together a uh, program to help them to find a way to get through to the evacuees so that they would be able to deliver the FCC-qualified phone to them and we did an, uh, a heavy amount of research in a very short period of time mm-hmm. just to try and find out what, why the 1-800 number wasn't working, how we were going to find these people, and then what we're going to be, once we knew where they were, what, are the, what were the best tools to reach them with messages, how to track that messaging so that we could then make sure that our processes were streamlined so that people who needed phones could have accelerated uh, Access. distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the paperwork as with any government program can be a little onerous. And that was part of the problem when we interviewed track phone uh, operations people is that, you know, when someone calls an 800 number, they haven't really understood the program. They might have just heard something that said, you know, someone said you can get a free phone. And then you give them the paperwork, but without someone really there to, to do one-on-one interaction to walk them through the process and make sure that they qualify, make sure they understand what's involved, uh, it, you really, I mean, I, the numbers were, were, were pretty amazing in that when we when we first met with them, we saw that the number of calls, they got over 600 calls, you know, on the uh, the first, you know, week or so on mm-hmm. the 800 number, and that only resulted in one them being done.
1: Right, isn't that, cr- it, it's crazy, but the abandonment is huge when right. people, when, it's, when there's not an easy process for them to adopt.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, this was not your normal consumer marketing program because of the fact that these people were not where they were supposed to be. I mean, you, you, you really didn't know where these hundreds of thousands of people had gone to. We, we searched in over 30 different states to try and find the centers where evacuees were being housed, to um, uh, try and somehow lump them into groups that we could reach in larger numbers to make our efforts more effective. And Which- that, was, that was a process unto itself.
1: So how did you define first of all let, let's let's talk about a little bit about the research and then creating the criteria for that and then we'll 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 go into executions. Right. If we could. So so let's talk about so now you've got all of these people that are dispersed all over the place. You've got a deadline that you need to meet and exceed. Right. Right? And you've also got a program from an out of pocket expenses standpoint, you have less than $300,000 to spend on this mm-hmm. for the entire program. Right. That's really huge.
2: Well, I think that's why we needed to make sure we acted smart and part of it was first of all, trying to put this on a numerical scale so that we could pick the best cities and markets where we would go in and do our efforts. Because after the primary research showed that the 1-800 number wasn't working, it became clear that the best way to reach these people was going to be through one-on-one interactions, through in-market activity, as well as in-market media. And so we looked at hundreds of articles that talked about not only, you know, where people were staying in terms of where trailers were being set up or hotels that were assigning people, but there were numerous articles that talked about the, the political factors, the cultural mm-hmm. factors, I mean, we saw articles that talked about how religious worship had increased because people were just so thankful to be alive. Right. And so we found that um, ultimately when we ended up doing our mobile tour, a lot of times we went to churches because people were still going to their churches for worship and started to see their churches as a place where they could receive information. So the research really required us combing hundreds of articles to try and find those nuggets that would help us then target uh, locations and markets. And then we put them on a numerical scale, gave them a point value, so to speak, and ranked them into tiers so that we were able to say, you know, given the short time frame, we can only go to so many places. Uh, In that time frame, we came up with our tier one locations where we said we're going to do temporary storefronts, working with churches. Salvation Army, relief organizations, and get temporary space in their facilities rather than you know, trying to build something. Mm-hmm. And we picked New Orleans, Houston, Baton Rouge, Lake Charles, Lafayette as our, our Tier One. And then we, we found a whole series of cities that we recommended launching a series of vans. We created four mobile vans that were going to go through the regions in what we called Tier Two and Three uh, cities, where they would stay in each city for a few days and, and do one-on-one help assisting mm-hmm. applicants on-site and then actually hand out phones from the back of the truck. That's awesome. So there were markets, you know, approximately 15 Tier 2 markets, everything from Beaumont, Texas, and, you know, we're talking major markets like Biloxi, you know, where they experienced a lot of uh, devastation to smaller markets like Dothan, Alabama, (laughs) or, you know, and and, uh, Jackson, Mississippi, Meridian, you know, there were a lot of uh, a mix of size. And then Tier 3 where, you know, even further out, and that included everything from, you know, going to Columbus, below South Carolina, Greenville, Cincinnati, Ohio, Tampa, Florida, Las Vegas, San Francisco, Corpus Christi. You know, it was, it was quite a geographically challenging uh, effort, but we felt that if we targeted uh, those 44 markets within the three months, we'd be able to reach the maximum number of, of hurricane evacuees who would be qualifying for the program.
1: Wow. Now, so when, when TrackPhone came to you, how long for you to develop a program and then start executing on it?
2: Right. We developed the program in less than two weeks.
1: Wow. Wow. And, wow. Um, and how about yeah. all of the, how about all of the, because I see you also have like a lot of, you know, as you are speaking about, um, a lot of partnerships here with, you know, Western Union or Popeyes, or, you know, how long did it take to create, or, you know, we, we'll go into the radio in a moment. How long did it take for you to focus in on, um, on these organizations and then partner with them?
2: Well, when, once we had the plan approved, which was, uh, I guess, it was around the end of November in terms of our approach, then we began contacting, and we actually started and went out into the marketplace in December. So it was a very short period of time. I think in part because there were so many people anxious to do something. Uh, when we approached organizations, You know, we were received very well. Uh, the challenge was finding people and just getting them on the phone. But once you had them on the phone, usually the answer was, sure, we want to help.
1: Yeah, absolutely, because they're, they're they're set up, most of these places, I mean, outside of Western Union, per se, right. and Popeye's Chicken, they're set up as a relief center. So anything well, additional that they can probably help with one stop for a person.
2: Right. I mean, and even with, you know, as our research showed that we knew that uh, people like politicians wanted to help, but were also a little wary because there was some public outlash about, you know, what they did or didn't do that, result, you know, resulted in some of the damages. So reaching out to some of the politicians took a little time because, you know, they had a lot on their plates as well, but then we ended up getting incredible support, you know, Mayor Nagin handing out phones from the back of the truck, you know. That, right, that great kind photo of, ops for them. Yeah, there were. I mean, between that, uh, we had uh, Louisiana Senator Sharon Weston-Broom, Mississippi State Representative Earl Banks, you know, people came out to... To really help us make sure that there was awareness of the program so we did a very intensive outreach we split the responsibilities in that once we came up with the strategy track was responsible for the operational logistics of putting these vans mm-hmm. and these temporary storefronts together so that freed us up to really focus on making the uh, outreach to the partnership setting up all of the details as far as the messaging you know with the partners setting up all of the media outreach because as we discovered also through our research that you know we didn't feel the traditional media was going to work. That's why the calls to the eight hundred line we felt were so so much lower than they yeah. should have been. Because these targets weren't consuming regular media. They weren't sitting at home, you know, watching T V every night right, or getting daily newspapers delivered. Because they so
1: just didn't have access to stuff like that.
2: Right. I mean when you think about the fact that, you know, we, we delivered in in a period of less than Two months, you know, 22,000 phones, and the, the, the number of people who came through those, you know, we, we increased the 1-800 number up to 66,000 requests, God, that's and amazing. we increased in market, you know, we had 24,000 people come through. I mean, the, the ability to, to get to people through things like the churches, through things like um, the road tour where we, you know, we had a physical presence, doing media days with elected officials. And then doing that, uh, I think you said we talk about it later, but the the urban media outreach Mm -hmm. to really do a radio program because there were still a lot of people, you know, and not to pander because we're talking, you know, uh, through a radio media sort of right now, but people still listen to uh, radio, even, you know, in cars as they're traveling.
1: Oh, absolutely.
2: This audience in particular uh, was a, a, we felt would be a high user of urban radio. And so using some uh, celebrity involvement, comedian Steve Harvey and then radio personality Tom Joyner did some public service announcements for us.
1: See, How this is so huge and I think so very important because, you know, it's interesting. You're saying like non-traditional, but this is almost as when you, when you want to go like to, from a grassroots perspective and from where we all began, mm-hmm. this is about as traditional as traditional gets. Right. Right? When you think about it, it's really dissecting it to the lowest common denominator. And, you know, like you said that because of people being um, dispersed due to, you know, a horrible tragedy, you couldn't get people through, you know, normal media um, outlets. But what right. a great way to create one-on-one communications because at the end of the day, like, that is what makes a lasting impression. When you have someone physically handing you a phone and walking you through paperwork, you now have something very hard to come by, which is trust, loyalty, credibility, and it's very hard I, to get brand loyalty these days.
2: We even simplified, helped them simplify the... Uh Forms that people use, you know, increase the typeface, bold things, so that people know what where they have to put their information. Uh, We branded the program, you know, with the Hurricane Katrina Lifeline, because the you know the FCC program itself is along, you know, not necessarily the most uh, user-friendly name. You know, Universal Service Fund Um, doesn't say what it is. Right. Katrina Lifeline. So that helped people. Uh, Media were very responsive. We did get a lot of pickup from. From radio and also from TV, we sent them little um, teaser tags that helped them talk about it on air. As They were all doing, especially in primary affected areas, they were all doing lists of where people could go to get help, and we wanted to make sure that they included us.
1: Right, which which makes so much sense, but I think a lot of people would overlook. Um, Christine, let's do this. Speaking about radio and uh, it being a viable outlet, let's pay a little homage to our advertisers, and we'll be right back with our featured guest, Christine Barney. CEO of RBB Public Relations.
0: Stick around. Cover story. We'll be back after this short break.
3: Have you heard that content is king? Yeah. What's that mean? I don't even have a clue. Hmm wonder if that's important. Important? Search engine optimized web content is essential. Essential for maximizing page rank. Essential for increasing sales. GetWebContent.com is the internet's foremost provider of custom written search engine optimized copy. GetWebContent.com is easy to access and ultra cost effective. Right now, copy is indeed king. And GetWebContent.com is the king of copy. Check it out today.
0: Howdy, boys, and you girls, too. I'm here to talk to
3: you about Milnik Media, the best CPA network, period. They sure know how to deliver, and I know something about deliverance. Now, you want to get paid? Damn right you do. We'll make sure you get your money. The new Media's got support people who know their ass from their elbow. Need a new jet ski? How about one of them newfangled plasma TVs? Well, Cousin Jeremy here will hook you up with our performance rewards program. Email sub zip sub-bits, ringtones, hell, we got them all. yee Hey there, it's Cousin Jeremy. Get on over to Media.com and we'll have you so happy, you'll be squilling like a pig.
0: Commercials off. Now back to cover story. We're reserving a headline for you only on Webmaster Radio FM. Here's your host.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Brandi um, Shapiro-Babin. I don't even know my name today. Isn't that great? I can be anyone I want to be. I'm very excited to uh, welcome back Christine Barney, who is CEO of RBB Public Relations and also a finalist for the Silver Anvil Series um, from the Public Relations Society of America with her TrackPhone Katrina Lifeline Program, Brings Awareness to the FCC Program. Welcome back, Christine. Thank you. This is terrific. So, I mean, truly, for those of you who may not have been with us um, for the, the the first segment of the show, Christine um, and, and company did a wonderful job with helping TrackPhone to take something that was a devastating situation and allow them to turn it around for their client and really create something that was, um, for, you know, best foot forward branding. Uh, and create and streamline processes to make this um, as easy as possible for people and for you to meet and exceed your goals, and especially considering what a small PR budget there was to make this happen in such a short time frame. So kudos to you. you.
2: Well, the other interesting thing, I think, about this program was that it was open to all wireless providers, but TrackPhone ended up, through our program, getting 60% of all the people who were eligible through their system. And, you know, getting a 60% market share in anything is always kind of amazing, Mm -hmm. especially when you're going up against the likes of, you know, very large, there are a lot of very large players in the the cell phone business. But Mm -hmm. it made, uh, it made a lot of sense for TrackPhone. I think, I mean, TrackPhone, I think, was able to secure that not only because of the the PR effort uh, was smart, but also because I think they recognized that they should invest in the PR effort. I think we did more than the other carriers because Track as a prepaid wireless card provider does tend to uh, serve people who are in the demographic area that a lot of the people who were affected by Hurricane Katrina when you look at the numbers were people mm-hmm. who had lower economic scale and who prefer to buy their phone you know by the minute mm-hmm. so they wanted to give back to the many many of their customers who you know were using them and also to solidify the brand as a brand that cares yeah absolutely. About, about those people and so they were they were really excited to see how our program helped them go from that, you know, 1% of calls actually leading to a phone being delivered up to, you know, uh, a much, much, you know, almost 90% of all the phones delivered coming from the, the PR effort.
1: Well, and even something fun, like the city of New Orleans declared April 12th a day of honor to right. commemorate the work of track phone wireless. I mean, that's well, very commendable.
2: It was, and I think, it, you know, there wasn't a negative story uh, that came out in any of the media. I mean, even things like in, uh, in Texas, it was cold, uh, and they did a story about how people waited, you know, two hours in the cold for the track phone um, traveling van to come that day. They were actually there in advance of our arrival waiting for us because they were so eager to get the
1: uh, Absolutely, material. absolutely. I mean, that's positive, and you also exceeded your goals as far as, um, you know, your media exposure. Right. I mean, your your goal was what?
2: Uh, we had set a goal of uh, 10 million media impressions, meaning that uh, through print and broadcast, we had hoped that there would be an audience, a potential audience of 10 million, you know, uh, 10 million opportunities for someone to see our message.
1: And this is crazy. Talk about like really executing people. More than 100 million <laughs> media impressions. Talk about like, um, you know, uh, you know, promising low, ex- you know, putting low expectations and exceeding it.
2: Well, I think, you know, while we had to recognize that traditional media wasn't going to be the the primary method of reaching people, Mm -hmm. the traditional media also really latched on to reporting on what we were doing. So it was sort of almost, you know, icing on top of the cake in that the one-on-one meetings, the, you know, interaction with the churches and with the Salvation Army and with the relief centers helped us make sure that our targets were there, and then media covered that so that everyone would know About the program itself. So it was sort of a one on one equals three.
1: How hard was it for you to help keep their messaging? Um, on track when you've got people disseminated all across the country and I'm sure just from like a mental perspective Mm -hmm. like that's a very trying thing to be on the road and you've got all of these people who are in horrible situations just you know grasping at you for for phones
2: right well we we did a very heavy messaging session with everyone who was going to have interaction and uh, you know RBB has always believed in a very simplistic messaging approach there are only you know three things that anyone ever wants to hear who are you why should I care? And what do you want me to do about it? Okay. And so we do our messaging. You know, we had our message one, who we are, you know, TracFone's the nation's largest prepaid wireless service provider. We're providing eligible vacuees with a free cell phone. And then we gave, you know, a few proof points so that if people were asked more questions about the FCC program or, you know, want to see the grant letter to, so that they can figure out if they're eligible, then message point number two, everyone knew was a consumer benefit. We're bringing the phones to X-City, making it easier for you to get your free cell phone in minutes and stay in touch with your loved ones. And then message three, the call to action was to come out to a Lifeline trailer now through this date, you know, from this time to this time at this location. Uh, or if you, want, you know, if you want to know where they're going to be, you can call this 800 number. So they were very simple messages. Every one of the people who was in the mobile units, everyone who was in the temporary storefronts, went through a messaging session with us. Uh, all of the people at TrackPhone Corporate had, it's one page. I mean, I can look at it now and, it's, <laughs> you know, it's in heavy bold and it's mm-hmm. not a lot of type. And if you keep it simple, then everyone speaks with one voice. It's much more likely that you will have consistency in
1: delivery. Good for you. Good for you. That makes a ton of sense. Now, I don't know if you can answer this or you want to answer this, but have have you been able to take a look at the numbers and see... The, the phones that you gave out, how many of those people were already clients of TrackPhone and how many people have actually continued to do business with TrackPhone who hadn't um, to begin with?
2: Right. No, I don't have those numbers. I mean, it's one of the things that we had suggested that they track. Um, I, we, we, anecdotally, we felt that a lot of the people we were giving the phones to were not Track Phone users. And it would be very interesting to see how many of them converted to to purchase, you know, additionally. But our program, you know, we went through uh, April of 2006, and then we were done. So I don't really have um, follow-up numbers.
1: Okay. No, I mean, just from an interest standpoint, Mm -hmm. you know, it would just be interesting to see, you know, who adopted, who was already on board to begin with. Um, You know,
2: interestingly, though, I saw a lot of the letters that people wrote. That's why I think anecdotally... Based on the, people, you know, unsolicited, wrote handwritten letters. You know, in this day and age where everyone has a computer, they Mm -hmm. took the time to write a hand letter. You know, I have one one in front of me. Thank you so much for sending me the track phone. It was an answered prayer. I've been wanting to purchase one, but my needs list as to shelter, food, clothing, utilities have been overwhelming. Thank you doesn't seem like enough. Your company will definitely receive blessings from above for your outreach and compassion. And, you know, I think that I know that there were, you know, hundreds of these kinds of letters that came in that implied that a lot of these people, you know, just we're we're new to TrackPhone and and very appreciative.
1: Well, and I think that's the part that's so important. And I don't mean to you know overly stress this, but you can take something you know it's on, like a, a hurricane or diseases or you know it, it's a horrible horrible thing. But you can also turn it around to benefit um, you know like what TrackPhone did, really benefit the nation as well as benefit the brand.
2: Well, I think you know there's, there's always two reasons why companies reach out. I think. I've always liked to believe the first reason is an altruistic one or Mm -hmm. a desire to help. But I think clearly it's been proven that companies that do more to help in their communities are perceived better by their constituents, and that has a bottom-line impact. It not only has a bottom-line impact on sales and and what people buy, but on employees and recruitment and your ability to attract talent who want to work for companies that they admire and respect. And I think more and more uh, companies are starting to put that into their equation when they do their PR programs.
1: Which is so important. Let's do this, Christine, because I want to ask you a couple of questions about, about what you just said. Let's take another quick break, and we'll be right back with Christine Barney.
0: Stick around. Cover story. We'll be back after this short break.
3: Two point two million dollars, four billion dollars, six million dollars. Then just kicking ass with domain name. Montec Montec Monty 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 Monte Money Monte And uh, what what's uh, what's been your highest domain name sale? How much money was it for? It was approximately hundred and forty four thousand dollars one hundred and fifty grand. That's correct. Okay, great. You have had eBay by Rent and shopping.com for a combined one point four billion dollars. Monty, 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 Monty. Be, be the master of your domain. Money. Literally, probably 90 days after buying it uh, for $80,000, Interbrew bought it for $7 million. We appraised the property and helped get it sold for $3.4 million. It was the most valuable asset that they had $6 million or $10 million on a domain name. When we sold autos.com for $2.2 million, people thought it was nuts, too. <laughs> domain Masters, only on Webmaster Radio. Be the master of your
0: domain. Mr. Scott, I can't get any more information onto our website. I'm doing the best I can, Captain. There's no more room on the server. It's gonna blow. Evaluation, Mr. Spock. The logical answer is Lunar Pages. Reputation, reliability, and legendary 24-7 support makes Lunar Pages the host to cling on to. Did you say cling on? Captain. Sign up at LunarPages.com and get $700 off coffee cup software absolutely free. If you call, they will answer. Lunar Pages it is. Beam us aboard, Mr. Just go. For Out of This World Web Hosting, Lunar Rocks. Sign up for Web Hosting with
3: LunarPages.com and use coupon code lunatics to get $20 off.
0: Commercials off. Now back to cover story. story. We're reserving a headline for you. Only on Webmaster Here's your host.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Brandi Shapiro-Babin, and welcome back to this edition of Cover Story. Again, I'm pleased to uh, bring back our featured guest, which is Christine Barney, who's the CEO of RBB Public Relations, and she's also a finalist uh, for the Silver Anvils this year. Welcome back. Thank you. Yay. So are you excited?
2: Mm-hmm. I am. And, you know, and I, I didn't mention it uh, specifically, but you know, since we were just talking about not only the media value, but the community relations value. This entry is actually a finalist in two categories, It's a finalist in the public service category and in the community relations category, because you know how we were just talking about how companies do this for the altruistic value, but also do it to try and improve their relationships with their constituents. So I was really excited because we entered this program in both categories and got recognition in both.
1: Isn't that amazing? So this could be like a first, because I don't think um, there's ever been an award that's won in two categories simultaneously.
2: Well, I think the, there's been a couple of other programs that have won in multiple silver anvil categories. Usually they're tactical versus, you know, right. some of the specifics. So I don't think we'd be the first, but it would certainly be exciting to do that.
1: Yes. No, come on. Just go with the first. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be like the little magic genie that sort of erases everything. Okay. Um, but it's exciting. But you know what? But you mentioned something really important and you really are um, a luminary in this field, which is at the end of the day, when you have a company, if the people are happy within the company, then they do a great job at at personifying the image that you want to all the various publics, right. and and so on and so on and so on. And I mean, and that's something that you've managed to establish in Miami.
2: Well, I think definitely it's uh, we we suggest these kinds of things to our clients because we live it first. I mean, RBB as you mentioned earlier. You know, for the past four years, we finished among the top three firms in the nation as best place to work in the Holmes Report, and we were really excited to be notified that we're one of top three, not just PR firms, any fir- any company. Mm-hmm top 35 of the Wall Street Journal's uh, top small workplaces. They're going to announce the winner in October of this year. But just being one of the 35 finalists is really amazing. It's our first time applying for that. And, you know, they get hundreds and hundreds of companies applying for that. And it really comes from the point of view that says, you know, if your employees are engaged and take ownership in what they're doing, they will do a better job. You will have lower recruitment and retention. Um, You'll have lower recruitment costs and higher retention. And they'll do better work for your clients. I mean, when you mentioned some of the clients, I have the the same team leader has worked on my Florida Power and Light account. For 15 years we've had the account. and That kind of continuity is something that clients really appreciate. So when we counsel our clients, we share with them the importance of making sure that their internal staff is motivated and excited about the PR programs and can act as ambassadors as well because that's just invaluable support. Oh, absolutely,
1: absolutely. So how would you, what do you What do you think are the top three things that a company should provision themselves with in regard to bringing on like people to their company so they're creating a, a positive cor- corporate culture and that they're communicating properly um, with their organization so that they're moving themselves forward?
2: Top three things in terms of just, uh, like, advice?
1: Yeah, like, like, your advice. Like, if you were going to sit down with a client or just for yourself, I mean, because you really, you know, like, wow, you're an aficionado in this. How do you create Like a positive, like, why would I want to come down there and work with you? Especially, and let me let you know, people, Miami is a very tough market. It's very transient. Um, It's it's like a little island almost unto itself. Just because most people aren't from Miami. They've come from different places. Um, You know, Florida's got a different work ethic than, I think, a lot of the country. So you even are in a tougher position than anyone else.
2: And I think there's even a difference between South Florida and North Florida in terms of, you know, South Florida, where Miami and South Beach, you know, is perceived as celebrity and very hot and very trendy in fashion, but there is not a large corporate base here, so we don't even get the same kind of PR respect that, say, a market like Atlanta does, where there are large corporations and, you know,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: mid-size or larger firms. um, But then you go to, you know, North Florida, where you're really in almost, uh, we joke, South Florida. Right, right. (laughs) It's a totally different environment with totally different, you know, um, industrial centers uh, and and service sectors and it's it's really not one state so it's a challenge because i think there are misperceptions about florida as a whole some people still see florida as just a place to retire others see it as you know for young kids or hot and trendy or others see it as very latin or hispanic and you know depending on where you come from you know recruiting to florida which is not known as a hotbed of you know pr talent or, you know, career opportunities, one of the things that we've really built on is finding people who want a different lifestyle in that, you know, we have a lot of excitement in the clients that we represent and uh, the benefits in the work environment of any firm you'd find in, like, New York or Chicago, but we do have sunshine nine months of the Mm -hmm. year, and, you know, we're 15 minutes from the beach, and you can have a quality of life that... uh, Usually, you you have to wait a lot longer for it in other urban, large urban markets.
1: Well, it's true. So what do you do personally to create this work? I mean, outside of the fact that, I mean, we live in Florida, too. And, you know, yes, it's awesome because, you know, almost 12 months out of the year, you can be outside. You're easy hop to Europe. You're, you know, you've got three international airports you can jump to around here, 55 minutes off the coast of the Bahamas. So there's a big upside in regard to that. It's a hell of a lot cheaper than living in many major metropolitan areas. So, um, well, I think
2: the number one reason why people stay and uh, like RBB is because of our very employee-centric approach to creating an agency culture. We have a, a variety of programs that allow people to really drive what RBB's culture and workplace environment is like. The first of it is just recognizing that it's not all about money. We have the RBB Total Rewards package that breaks down uh, your your your. All of your compensation into four areas. You will get pay and benefits. You have recognition. You have work environment. You have um, professional development. And under each of those things are some really neat things. Uh, so, for example, under work environment, everyone down to the bookkeeper sets their own hours. I don't care when you do your work as long as it gets done. Some people who commute, you know, prefer to work later or stay later right. or work from home in the mornings or, uh, you know, do better when they have more. Uh, they spend more time at their clients' offices. So we have flex times available for everyone, telecommuting is available for everyone, we give everyone tools, we pay for everyone's cell phones, they have unlimited usage. Don't spend time going to the post office. Use our postage meter, you know, use our FedEx machine. Uh, You know, really, if you have to take doctor's appointments, you're a grown-up. I'm not going to say, you know, you don't have to ask my permission. As long as you're tracking your time, you're getting done what gets done with your clients, you're you're, you're your in time charge is your
1: own right, right so you're and then saying
2: mm-hmm. the second part of that is you know we've created a culture there are five what I call extracurricular activity groups in the firm, and everyone's a member. We have the RBB Activities Group. They make sure that social networking happens within the firm so that teams are built stronger. And they manage everything from the the traditional things like Christmas parties and birthdays and, you know, wedding celebrations to taking our vision and value system. And we have a a vision of values based on the five senses, and they create events. So, for example, when we have the taste event, we all went out and did a a wine tasting with, with a client group. For you know, learning how to see and make sure that you're always seeing new opportunities. We took everyone to the Chihuly exhibit at Fairchild Tropical Gardens. Sometimes they're in the office, like for smell. We all made um, candles last Christmas.
1: Oh, fun! You know?
2: So it's silly things. Sometimes silly things like that. But then there's also important things. Like we have our, we have one group that's RBB work. They make sure that we have all the right tools to do the office. They just did a exercise where we surveyed everyone to profile whether they're a road warrior or a power user in office or power user out of office, so that they'll have technology tools made available to them that meet their working habits.
1: That's awesome. Did you find after the survey that everyone was pretty well armed, or were you surprised surprised at um, the response that you got?
2: I'm somewhat surprised in terms of, like, for example, one telecommute. We have uh, three people who telecommute one hundred percent, and they all were different even though they're all home-based employees, one of them actually is almost never in her home. She spends most of the time at the clients where the other one is almost completely at home. So the technology tools that they wanted were different. One wanted a lightweight laptop in the PDA and the other one wanted a more power laptop and a hardline phone.
1: How you know, funny, with, with right? Just different work styles.
2: Different work styles. But so understanding we understanding that. And everything we, we survey our employees a lot to find out what they want. We have a, a separate, like I said, extracurricular activity group that does professional development. We have a firm marketing group. And everyone in the firm, like I said, down to the accountant, belongs to one of these groups. So no one can say, I don't like the way that is in the firm. Right, because you're, your,
1: you're, t- you're making people take ownership. Absolutely. And you're enrolling them. So they get to feel part of the whole. And their compensation package reflects that. And yet yeah, you keep them enrolled dur- during the year, whether it be fun, goofy stuff that keeps them connected as a team right. and helps develop them as a team, or you know, really critical decisions that make them accountable for um, you know, what happens in, in the development of accounts and in mm-hmm. your upcoming year. I think that's wonderful.
2: Well, you know, what's interesting, too, is we started, well, when we did our survey, we found a lot of people had trouble finding a way to fit in exercise. So we started yeah. offering <laughs> in-office Pilates classes at, Five thirty, the instructor comes in and we all it. have mats so and we take him out into the hallways and Someone told someone, and we ended up getting a work-life balance columnist who came and did a photograph of us doing it. And that appeared in the paper, and a client saw that, a prospect saw that, and hired us as a client. So you, you never know what good comes back to you when you do good things. See, you know?
1: you know what? Well, that's how we operate. What you give out is what you give back. Right. Get back, and, and, and truly, and treat others as you would like to be treated, even if they don't treat you that way, because at the end of the day, you're the only person you have to look in the mirror every single day, so mm-hmm.
2: good no, for No, and I think, you know, RBB public relations, really, I think we, we're we're always looking for the next thing. I mean, we're always looking for the, the best way to make sure that employees are happy because, like I said, at RBB, if the people stay, the clients stay, and that's really what it's all about because so many PR firms just focus on new business, and they have their other business going out the back door, and the best way to really, you know, to grow and create good uh, referrals is to make sure that your own staff, you know, stay, so that your clients feel good. Oh, absolutely.
1: I mean, and, you know, and, and you know, it, the best form of advertising, obviously, is word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And in keeping, you know, and tilling the soil that's already, you know, that's already been harvested in your home backyard. Right. You know, because it used to be, people used to call it Minute Rice celebrations. Like, congratulations, you won X, Y, and Z account. And, you know, this time next year, it's going to have moved on to someone else. Well, mm-hmm. if you can create those relationships and understand what their needs are, then I think it's a, it's, yes, keep the clients. You've had FPNL for 15 years. I think that's a wonderful testimony to you and your corporate culture.
2: Well, and I think, you know, we've, we're as I said, we're always looking for new ways to make sure that we're adding value. We started a program called the RBB Client Service Awards where every month every team submits a one-page summary to me of what they did that was above and beyond for the client. And they really have started to think about, you know, new things just by doing that little exercise. And I have a guest judge sit in with me and we have a point value system and we give cash bonuses and rewards oh, to you know, teams and individuals. And it really has showcased that there's still so much more we can do and learn from each other. That you know, again, and that idea came out because so many times, and we meet as a staff once a month, and everyone would say, "I wish I knew more about what's going on in the agency." And so we created this process. And you know, for for an RBB staffer comes up with an idea, and then they get you know, we and all of our extracurricular groups are supported with staff with mm-hmm. budget. You know, it's not like we'll just go out and do it. You know, we really treat ourselves like an account too. So that you can make these things happen and then measure the results from them.
1: Now what was, it's interesting, so do you find that people are more motivated by cash or life experience type things?
2: I think it's a combination. The cash has to be reasonable and within parameters of what they think other people are being paid. But the real differences are the life experiences. I mean, we have—it's silly—we have a candy wall because we worked with, you know, M and M's. We have a wall; it's called the inspiration wall, and it's full <laughs> of candy. And it says, you know, for press releases that rock or to get great results, and it's full of M and M's and, you know, Snickers bars and and it's and it's you very pass through people. this hall and go lay down on your mat, right? <laughs> but you know, people always talk. People come from other offices in the building to go to our candy wall. Or the <laughs> fact do. that you know, I had a, a relationship through a. a a family member and I got everyone for Christmas a designer purse from Mark Jacobs just as a thank you.
1: I'm fam- I, I, I' I should be your newest best friend Christine. <laughs> but, we could do you a know, and the guys
2: time. got wallets and you know they just thought that was neater than a cash bonus Well it is neat because you know I think
1: at the end of the day like and I think everyone sh- everyone sh- definitely should get like bunnies earned and everyone needs to feel good about paying their bills and that their self-worth right. is met but we don't people don't take the time. To smell the roses, we're not like a European culture that like is mandatory six week holiday, right? And we'll never have enough money, right? Like we're right. we're we're a society that always lives, you know, fifteen percent above what we actually earn. So if you can give people like time off, take them to baseball games, you know, um, take them to wine tastings, the things that you do, have that Pilates class, because I mean, I, we should be driving down to Miami to do that <laughs> with you these are the things that make a difference in your life and when you sit back and you look at you know what it is that you've accomplished it's nice to know that you had a great career but that you also took time out to smell the roses and when you spend 80% of your time at work it's nice to be able to be part of a family it sounds like what you have created is like a true family lifestyle
2: right well it's that customization too because it's more than just we have a lot of fun social events and activities I mean when an employee of mine had a car accident and she lives in Broward and she was having trouble you know, we got our rental car for a week because she was getting rides, and you know, she she was more thankful for the thought. Another employee slipped and and uh, fractured his elbow. And he was complaining oh. in the office, so I went out and got him some these. He didn't, you know, guys, what do they know about healthcare? He was <laughs> trying to put ice compresses on his elbow. I said, <laughs> no, no, you can get these wraps. They yeah. come with these little velcro. I went to Walgreens, we bought them for, and brought him here, and he was just like so more thankful that we were thoughtful enough to do something personal. Now, the cost of buying someone a a whole nominal or a rental car isn't that much, but the fact that you notice that they were having a difficulty in their life and you tried to help is sometimes, I think, much more meaningful than let's all have a fancy Christmas party or let's all go out, you know.
1: Yeah, or let me send you flowers that anyone right. can do. Yeah, you. I, I like that. You customize things for each person. You make everyone feel, you know. Um, we d- recently just did a radio show regarding, uh, you know, middle management. And and large companies and medium-sized companies. And the fact that, like, I I mean, an astronomical amount of people are so dissatisfied with their jobs. And most of it is because they feel like they're not being properly recognized. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with the money. They just want to be properly recognized. And, again, um, you know, if you're working in an environment where you feel passionate about what the company does, um, you feel like, you know, you're obviously getting your financial due. But then, like, the things that you're talking about, you're really creating, like like, a... an environment that just inspires people to do above and beyond, and you're recognizing them, that's, you know, that's great. You know, it's that old adage, you don't ask for things until things aren't given.
2: Right. No, and I think even though RBB is a small company and we only have 27 employees, I uh, I think that the principles that you put in place can work you know, no matter what size company you have, because if you empower your middle managers mm-hmm. to do the recognition, to do the small, what we call, you know, what we borrow from our Starbucks client, the surprise and delights, mm-hmm. that those can pay you back in, in many different ways.
1: Now, let me ask you a question, because you are like a, a smaller staff company. It sounds to me like you, you're very, um, you know, process and reports driven.
2: I'm very anal about making sure that the processes are in place because I think they add in your efficiency. You shouldn't be wasting time uh, having to create processes. If you have them all sort of predetermined, then you can get right to the business of doing the work you need to do.
1: Is it hard to get people in the habit of, of creating processes and reports?
2: I don't think so, because like I said, I think that if you use uh, an agency-wide approach to this is the way we do it, mm-hmm. everyone follows the same format. You don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. It becomes just second nature. Okay. And you know, while there are some clients that require slightly different, you know, we have sort of three or four different levels of reporting and, and function work that gets done. But I, I still believe that, you know, I'm one of those, you know, like, I like a neat desk. Don't tell me you're organizing. You know where everything is. If you're, if you're office is a mess, you know, you're, you're not as organized as you need to be. And so I think of that way with uh, the way our clients work. We give all of our clients complimentary extranets so that they can see our, our work in real time. And if you're not organized, if you're not making sure your extranet is updated, Then you know you're going to fall behind because then the client's going to call and say I haven't seen the weekly action plan. But if you put it up there, then that's a phone call saved. That's a phone call you can use to do work on behalf of the client instead of updating them because they can see for themselves where you are.
1: Which is a really, really good point. You know, I mean, really showing for your, you know, show your work as it stands for itself, and then communicating with them on like further reaching items
2: versus doing it twice. Yeah, so much time can be wasted talking about the unimportant things. That, you know, difficult. that's where our, our reporting really tries to eliminate that part of the equation so that you can really focus on the, the meaty things that are going to make a difference to the client.
1: I think that is terrific. Christine, we are just about up, um, but I want to invite you back, my little Miami friend, <laughs> uh, for another interview because I think you've got so much knowledge to share with us and your clients are super exciting. And um, we wish you only the best in your duo category, silver and well, Thank Anvil. you. We'll
2: find out June 14th. I
1: know. I'm so excited. <laughs> we'll be there doing red carpet uh, and whatnot. So I'm very excited to interview you there. Oh, wonderful. So thank you so much, Christine Barney, RBB, um, public relations, CEO, uh, a lot of girl power, a lot of fabulous insight. Thank you for coming and sharing today.
2: Thank you very much.
1: All right. Enjoy. All right, everyone. That was a fabulous interview with Christine Barney. Um, We got great information on, um, obviously, inspiration regarding her campaign with TrackPhone, um, which truly, um, from a a process standpoint, from a call to action quickly (laughs) standpoint, and from really a guerrilla grassroots effort standpoint, um, they did a tremendous job on something that was really horrific, turning something negative into something positive, um, and being able to really um, do the research and um, tactically deploy a really phenomenal campaign, which obviously met and exceeded their goals in a huge way. And then, of course, uh, learning a little bit better about how to create a perfect workplace for you so you can be a place that people want to continue working at or work at in the near future. All right, everyone, we will continue our Silver Anvil Spotlight series next week on Cover Story. Thank you so much.
0: Wizards, rainmakers, rock stars, gorillas, and gurus. WebmasterRadio.fm. Come visit our magical Webmaster Wonderland. We got a
2: mouse, too. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere.